I'm thankful because we, we serve and we work and we volunteer at a church where our hearts are filled with gratitude and thanksgiving instead of fighting and backstabbing and political games and power plays, all these things, because I want you to know that this is a church where we find uh, love and community and family. Amen? Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, you better love me. <laughs> and if you're a first time guest at Christ Legacy, we hope that you're feeling the love too, because at Christ Legacy, we want, we want you to be welcome. We want this to be an inviting place. And we thank you for joining us for worship today at Christ Legacy. I have some special guests in town. I have my uncle and my aunt uh, from New Mexico. Would you just wave? Yeah. Hi. Thank you guys so much for coming. It's, it's wonderful not only just to have your church family with you that you get to worship on Sundays, but also your family family. That's a wonderful thing, too. And, um, and if you're a first-time guest, we want, you to, uh, we want to connect with you. So if you wouldn't mind grabbing one of those connection cards in the seats right in front of you, fill that out. And at the conclusion of the service, you can turn that in to our connection center in the foyer where we have a, a free gift just for worshiping with us today and something new that we're doing over the last several months is if you're a brand new guest with us, I'm recording a video welcoming you specifically. I want to just take a moment and share from my heart to you, connect with you, and and hopefully I get a chance to meet you uh, perhaps after service or next service. So it's a, it's a fun thing to get to know each other and connect with each other. That's what being in the house of the Lord is all about, connecting with God and connecting with others. So we want to say thank you. And if you're joining us online today, we hope that you are having a great day. We hope that you're able to enter into a worship. We have a facilitator in the comments online. And just tell us hi. And, and tell us in the comments where you're watching from because we want to celebrate with you as well. And if you have any prayer requests or needs, our facilitator is glad to pray with you on, on a, in a direct message. Or if you want to contact our church, feel free and this goes for anybody, to go to our website and click on That's Me, and you can communicate to our church just about anything and everything that you really want to communicate. Uh, we're, we're delighted to have you today. And as we go into the second part of our series, Thankful, Last week, we talked about having a thankful heart, which was a response to God's blessings. But today, we're going to be talking about having a thankful mind. Anybody have a thankful mind? Would anybody be thankful if you had a mind? I understand that. Sometimes it feels like I'm walking around and half of my brain is dead and, and, and just having a mind, you know, being refreshed is good. But I want you to know that we don't, we don't just have to be reactionary with our blessings, but we can be proactive in thanking God regardless of the situation. We can decide right now that this week is going to be the best week of our lives. How many of you know you would live a little bit differently if you walked into a week knowing that you're going to be thankful for all that God is doing in your life? Would that change the way that you lived? Would it change the way that you served? Would it change the way that you spoke to your husband or your wife or your kids? Would your kids stay alive if you knew that it was going to be a good relationship? That's a good, that's a good idea, good, good thought. And the truth is, is that I'm generally a positive person. I like to, 
I like to be encouraging. I like to be positive. I'm usually full of energy. Um, uh, you know, usually I, I try to have the best intention around me, but, but there's sometimes, there's sometimes and that, that, that I don't quite live up to that expectation of myself. As a matter of fact, you know, usually if I don't get a good night's sleep and I have a stressful thing the next day and then the day after, it's like, man, it, I, I'm locked in to something I like to call stinking thinking. Anybody know what stinking thinking is? No matter what you experience, right? You're, even if it's something great, you're just sitting there waiting and you're saying, I bet you something bad's going to happen after this. Sometimes I just get into this rut of thinking that, that, that life is, is kind of sour. That, that no matter where I'm at, I can always look around and I find security knowing that I can find something to complain about. That's right. No matter how great things are going, no matter how bad things are going, there's one thing I can count on. My critical nature. And I walk around and, and I can complain, I can be upset, I can kind of be sour. And, and Claudia can attest to this, that I'm, I'm actually kind of a hard person to get along with whenever I, I get into those routines. And, and I thank you for not sh shaking your head yes, but I, I know that there's so many people in this place, or at least I, at least I, I think that there might be one or two of you out there that would understand that, that there are times in our lives when we get into this mindset where not only do other people have a hard time getting along with us in that in that sense but but if we're going to be honest we don't even get along with ourselves when we get there we don't even want to be with ourselves when we're we're experiencing that I, I, i've got to tell you that that when i get like that i have to spend some time with god I have to, I have to realize that that there are moments in my life where I have to change what I'm looking at. I have to change how I'm feeling, and and, and that that even whenever I'm I'm super motivated to try to do better, it can still be hard to be a positive person to retain that positive mental state. And so I have to snap out of it for some in some way. I have to I have to get some more rest. I have to I have to change the things I look at. I have to spend time with God. I have to remind myself why I do what I do. And then I realize that all of that could have ha have been avoided had I just done one simple thing. If I if I realize that my thoughts could be centered on God and what he's doing in my life, then I would effectively rob the enemy of my life and what he was trying to do and trying to bring me down and change who I am and change who God's created me to be. Because I want you to know that you have an enemy of your life and I have an enemy of my life that understands that if he could change the way that you think, then he can rob you of the blessings that God wants to give you. I wonder if there's anybody in here that can identify with me a little bit. Anybody? Let's just, hold on, hold on. Let's, let me just ask you, by a show of hands, anybody ever struggle with stinking thinking? My people! Whew. I thought I was going to preach to myself for a second. Okay. Whew. All right. If we're going to be honest with ourselves, we all kind of struggle with this a little bit in some respect or another. But 
it takes us a little bit to realize that if we can, if we can just change the way that we can think, then we can change the way that we can walk into problems. We can change our atmosphere around us. And stinking thinking, by the way, is, is contagious. Have you noticed that? It's like, a, it's like a viral infection. You walk in and everybody at home is, is doing great and happy and playing. And, and, and then you walk in and then you bring the storm cloud with you. And all of a sudden, it's like uh, nobody likes, likes to be around each other. Everybody's arguing and fighting. It can, it can not only affect you, but it'll affect everyone around you. And if you're here today and you find yourself getting trapped in this stinking thinking and you, you thought for a second that you could walk out of here changed, you thought for a second that you, if you walked out of these doors and your life would be different, I want you to know that it's true and that if you lean into today's message and really hear what the Word of God is speaking to us about the way that we process, the way that we think about our gratitude, then your life really can be changed. So I want to encourage you, take some notes, follow along with us through the Bible app today. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be starting there. And if you want to follow along with your Bible app, feel free to click on your menu, click on events. And if you have your location services updated, then you'll be able to select Christ's legacy there. You can find all of our notes there today, along with uh, some important announcements about Christ's legacy, as long, uh, along with uh, discussion questions that you might want to revisit later later on this week about the, today's message. But whether you're taking notes with pad and, and, and pen or you're on the Bible app, I want to encourage you, take a moment and, and write things down that you feel like the Lord is speaking to your heart and your life because I believe that, that when we reflect on, on His Word, I believe that when we are diligent about our Bible studies, then the Lord will change things from the inside out. Amen? Amen. Wow. So as we open up our Bibles to Romans chapter 12, I want to tell you that if we change our thoughts, then we'll know his will. If we change our thoughts, then we'll know his will. You see, I'm willing to bet that there's a lot of people in this place this morning that have prayed and asked God what his will is for their life. Anybody ever done that before? God, what's your will? Should I get this job? Should I do this? Should I have more babies? Should I have less babies? No, you should not have less babies. Don't, don't take what you have and have less. Okay, that's not okay. But, but we all in some way or another have prayed and asked God what his will is for our lives. And as I, as I read through Paul's writings, I've discovered that Paul has a lot to say about the way that we think and its connection to our level of thankfulness, and it goes even deeper. And I want to explore what that means right now. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you behave. Right? By changing the books you read. By, by, by changing the way you speak. Positive speaking. No? No. 
It's by changing the way you Let's try it one more time. By changing the way you There it is. Then you will learn to know God's will for your uh, for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will. You'll learn to discover God's will when you change the way you think. Imagine that. We have to change the way we think in order to understand and learn God's will for our lives. There's an intimate correlation between what we think and experiencing God's good and perfect will for our lives. How many times do you think you and I miss God's will because we weren't thinking correctly? I didn't think about it. But you can. You can miss God's will because we didn't have an understanding that our minds and what we fix our minds on allows us to know God's will. You see, there's a very real pressure from the world to try to squeeze us into this box of the way that we should think and how we should act. And if you've ever turned on the news, you'd know I'm right. They want people, want you to so badly to think just like them. And as long as you think just like them, there's nothing wrong you can do. But if you don't think just like them, then everything you do is wrong. And I want you to know that as the world tries to squeeze us into the likeness of what it is, Satan understands that if he can change the way that you think, then he can change the way that you behave. And if he can change the way that you behave, he can allow your natural desires, those desires that have pulled you, have worked to try to pull you away from the presence of God, he can allow those to bring in the lusts of your heart and he changed the way that you operate between you and God and, and ultimately he can pull you away from the Lord because of the way that he changed your mind. See, there's a very good reason why, why we shouldn't allow that, why we should resist what the world thinks and the way that the world works and why we should put our minds on God and allow his word to transform us. It's because the thought patterns of this world are under Satan's control. They're hostile to God and unhealthy for people. Did you know that? We're not called to try to put a, a, a godly twist on a worldly idea. We're called to resist the thoughts, the patterns, the behaviors of this world. We're called to do that because, because it's not good for us, not any of it. This world is built entirely on human reasoning, and you know, as well as I do, that human reasoning eventually breaks down. It doesn't work out in the end. We can't accept the thoughts of this world because God, they reject God, and God has rejected that. 
That means that there's something different. You see, Christ's kingdom is not formed on this world. We, we, we live in spiritual darkness, deception and seduction. We are called to be the light of this world. The way that we should think is, is not just to attempt to put a godly spin on a worldly idea, but instead we should embrace what God has given to us. We should think different. We should, we should be different from the inside out. Satan and his concept of the world focuses on, on the lusts of the flesh and everything about our fallen nature. But God focuses on truth and his standard. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5.18 says, Be thankful in, in most circumstances. All? Well, see, see, that doesn't work for me because, see, you don't understand. There's some circumstances in my life that are not fair. And, and there's some circumstances in my life I just walk into and I didn't create the mess. And so uh, I should be not thankful for people that have created messes in my life I have to walk through. And, and there's other circumstances in my life where, where it's really, really hard. And, and I'm only human and I walk into this thing that I've created. But I, listen, listen, I, I, I delight myself in being thankful in the blessings of God. And I don't feel like this is a blessing right now. But then whenever I go to the truth of scripture and I realize something. That we are called to be thankful in all circumstances. And watch what this says. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. God's will. That means that you and I can know that we're always in God's will when we're thankful in the things that we're going through. We can know that we are tapped into the very nature of who God is when we have the nature of thanksgiving alive and well in our hearts and minds. And we can determine whether we're going to be thankful or not. How many of you know that that is kind of an interesting concept? That no matter what you're going through, you can be determined before you even get there that you're going to have a thankful attitude about that. Because we are responsible for what we think. Oh, that's important. See, the next thing we need to understand is if I change my thoughts, I'll know his presence. If we change our thoughts, we'll know his presence. See, I, I, I enjoy a, a, a calm and quiet home. But, but then my wife and I made the decision to have four children. I, I have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old now. I have a, I have a, a almost 3-year-old next month. And, and, then, um, and then a 1-year-old. And how many of you know, you've heard of the terrible twos? The terrible twos only occur within your first child because you didn't know what 3 was going to be like. Can I get an amen? Okay. See... In my house, it's not very calm. It's not very, very quiet. My, my, my one-year-old, uh, just to give you an illustration of what happens, is like 
When I do get that quiet house and it's like, oh, finally, it's nice and quiet. There's about 30 seconds of like, oh man, this is, this is kind of nice. And then the fear of God grips my heart because it's too quiet. Anybody ever been there in a quiet house? Oh my goodness. Where are the kids? What are they doing? What's going on? What's wrong? Because it usually means that they're up to no good somewhere. The other day, to give you an example, my wife entrusted me with the children while she went out. That was the first mistake. Shouldn't do that. Okay? But then it got too quiet, and I said, oh no, what's going on? Where's the one-year-old? I walk in... And the one-year-old turns around, and he's got black lips and black all the way across his cheeks, and he's got a big grin. And I said, what did you eat? What kind of poison have you ingested into your body? Oh, no, poison control, all this stuff. I was thinking, oh, no, I got to do something. Until I realized that he had been gnawing on one of those gas ceramic logs in the fire pit place. And he just had, it was just all ashes. And it was horrifying. It was absolutely horrifying. It looked like the Joker. I mean, oh, man. And then my, my two-year-old, he, he's like constantly jumping off of stuff, scaring me half to death. And he's constantly like just, oh, man, he's just loud. And, and you don't ever want to know, or you, you never want to not know where he's at because he can open the doors, he can crawl on things. I mean, he can do it all, but he doesn't have no sense at all. And then my eight-year-old, he's constantly walking around on video games like this, right? And then you think, that's okay, until he tries to explain what Minecraft is and how it works. And then you sit through about 30 seconds of that, and then it's like, okay, I'm done. All right? And then my 10-year-old daughter, she wants me to go onto the trampoline and teach her how to do a back handspring. I was like, baby girl, have you ever seen daddy do a back handspring? What makes you think that I could do a back handspring? She says, daddy, please come on, take me out and do a back handspring with me. I said, okay, I'll teach you how to do a back handspring whenever you're 16. She said, why 16? I told her, because that's whenever you can drive me to the hospital after trying to do a back handspring. <sighs> it's just not quiet at the house, y'all. It's not quiet, but I've learned whenever I start getting overwhelmed with life, when, when things start getting out of control, that if I just stop everything and I put on some worship music, come on somebody, and, and, and I, I start putting my mind on things that are eternal, and I put myself in a perspective where I can see the blessings of God laid out in my life, because how many of you know that, that whenever your house starts getting quiet after your kids leave, it's a different kind of pain? Yeah. And you start putting your mind on where it belongs, then everything seems to fall into place. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Say one final thing. How many of you know that it's important to end on the most important thing? Whenever you're writing a message, whenever you're telling somebody, you tell the most important thing at the very end because you want to leave them with the most important thing. And Paul here in Philippians, writing to the church in Philippi, is telling them what the most important thing. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise, keeping into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Now, listen to what he says. Then... 
the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace will be with you. Notice here that Paul is not telling us to pray and ask God to help us change our minds. He's not saying, your mind is out of control. You need help with your mind, so pray that God will change your mind. No, he said, you need to change your mind. You determine what you're going to think. You discipline yourself on how you're going to think about it. And then, when you discipline yourself, whenever you change your mind, whenever you take on the initiative... Then the God of peace will be with you. And then another thing is that understand that it doesn't say then God's peace will be with you. It's one thing for God's peace to be with us, but it's a, it, that's not what it says. It says then the God of peace will be with you. Some of y'all would want nothing more to have God's peace, but can I tell you what's better than having God's peace is having God and bring his peace in our lives. We need the full presence of God in our lives, not just his peace. Let's not be content with just taking attributes of God and applying it to our lives. Let's want something more than just a characteristic. Let's want the whole package. Let's want the God of peace to be with us and in us and move through us and change the atmosphere around us. You've heard garbage in and garbage out, right? Well, this works opposite. When we put the good stuff in, the good stuff comes out. When we put our minds on only the good stuff, only good stuff can come out. I can tell you that some of you want so badly you want so badly to be a person that has peace in their life, that has the presence of God. But the reality of the situation is that you're probably sitting there thinking to yourselves, well, I just, I just can't because, because putting, my, putting my mind on good things seems like it's just avoiding the reality of my situation. That, and my situation is pretty bad, Pastor John. It's pretty rough what I'm going through and I'm not living in some kind of fantasy where I can just make believe or pretend that everything is okay. I've got I've to live in the real world and put my mind on the problem so I can solve it. But I want you to know that, that while I understand the sentiment, it's 110% wrong. And here's why. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 2 says, Since you have been raised to new life, with Christ. Anybody been raised to new life with Christ? Amen. Since you've been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of not your problems, not of this world, not of the confusion, not of the issues, but set your mind on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Watch this. Think about the things of heaven. Not the things of earth. Amen. Friend, can I tell you that if you have all these problems and things that are floating around in your mind that are causing you to be anxious and depressed and feel boxed in and feel alone and feel cut off from God and the family of God, can I tell you that if you just simply change your mind... That something incredible happened. It's not mystical. It says it right here in God's word. That when we begin to fix our mind on the realities of heaven, 
that the God of peace will be with us, then something wonderful will happen that we will cease to experience the realities of this world because can I tell you, friend, that the realities of heaven are more real than the temporal problems that you're going through today? And when we begin to fix our minds on the realities of heaven, our life changes. Finally, I want to share with you this. If I change my thoughts, I'll know his victory. If I change my thoughts... I'll know his victory. God desires each one of us to have a mind that is set on giving thanks. In fact, it's actually difficult to know just how many times God, uh, God tells us to, to have a thankful heart or be thankful. With all the tools and with all the filters and with electronic Bibles and all of this stuff, it's, it's almost incalculable to understand it because in so many different ways, in so many different shapes, God encourages his people. It's hundreds and hundreds of times God encourages his people to be thankful. To be thankful. You know, anything that repeats itself more than three times is something that we pay attention to in scripture as scholars. So whenever we find a theme of thankfulness running through the scripture like a golden thread, you and I need to sit up and pay attention and realize that this is the way that God has called his people to live with a thankful heart and a thankful attitude. In fact, if we stop and think of all of, of the thoughts that we have that we struggle with, it's kind of amazing that we get anything done at all if we're trying to constantly correct our thoughts to be thankful. Because even trying to correct our thoughts to be thankful requires us to sit and realize that we have a lot of things to not be thankful about. And it's, it feels like a catch-22, but 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 tells us, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I want you to understand something, that, that the world has a way of speaking about this, and they call it willpower. The power of your will to try to overcome the obstacle. But can I tell you that scripture points that this is not willpower, but this is actually spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. And that you and I have an obligation, we have an expectation that comes from God to us. That you and I are responsible for the things that we think about. We're not victims. We're overcomers. We have been given the tools and the power of and the authority from God to overcome the very obstacles that are set up in our minds. You see, our our lives uh, our lives need God to to help us to focus in and overcome the things that set us uh, set up in our minds to try to be rebellious against God. When we fail to do this, we end up allowing ungodly thoughts to turn into immoral desires which creates wicked behaviors and ends up in spiritual death. And because I believe that the Bible is practical, I believe that, that you and I can walk out of here with something to do this morning. I want to give you six steps that if you put into practice in your life right now, you'll be able to 
to take back control of your mind, to hold those thoughts captive, to overcome those proud obstacles that, that cause us to rebellious against God. Number one, tell God what's on your mind. Tell God what's on your mind. <laughs> oh, you might be sitting there saying, well, is God not omniscient? Doesn't he know everything? Doesn't he, can't he even read my, my heart and my mind? And I'd tell you, sir, ma'am, of course. Yes, God knows what's on your mind. But you see, the Bible tells us that one day you and I were gonna give an account of everything that we say, everything that we do, even the hidden things in our hearts and our minds. And today, I choose, I choose to give an account to the Lord. I choose to submit myself to Him before I get to Judgment Day. Today, I choose to tell God what's on my mind because even admitting to Him what's on my mind and what's in my heart, it admits to myself that I still need and rely on God. How many of you know that's biblical? Number two, we must see our mind as a battlefield. We must see our mind as a battlefield. Our thoughts, our thought life is filled with temptations, our desires, fantasies, and imaginations. These influences on our, our thinking can cause us to be tempted and fail, not just in our minds, but in real life. The great news is that we don't just have to hope that we have the willpower to overcome it, but we, we can know that we can engage in spiritual warfare against an enemy that would set himself up in our minds. And we are overcomers. But understand this, that if we deliberately place and repeatedly re place ourselves in positions where we know we'll encounter temptation, then we'll set ourselves up for failure. It's like knowing that you're walking into the ambush. Ladies and gentlemen, can we not just admit to ourselves that we know that we're doing something that is gonna end in temptation at times? And if we resist that thing, then we'll help to clear up the problems and the temptations that we struggle with in our minds. Number three, know your opponent. Know your opponent. Thoughts come from three sources. Experience the things that we've gone through. Our sinful nature. The devil. I said three, I meant four. <laughs> and then the new nature that God has given to us. And that means that, that we have a, some opponents. It's the devil and it's us. Yeah, it's us. We can be an obstacle. We can be the opponent of our life, that, that old nature. And Paul pointed out that there's this dualistic nature within us, one side that pulls us towards the thing that we don't want to do, but, but, but we do it anyway. And then this new nature that God has created us that constantly is pulling us towards God. And we want to do this, but we resist it. 
But if we know that there is a dualistic nature inside of us and that there's an enemy, you and I should be even more careful in trying to recognize the source of our thoughts. But you see, it's, it's not just good enough to recognize the source and to, to even to do away with it, to resist it. But number four, we should resist and replace those thoughts in our lives. How do you know that the way we think can be kind of in a vacuum sometimes? Now, I'm not saying that, that your brain is in a vacuum, okay? Although it may feel like it sometimes. But I'm saying that, that whenever you push one thing out, your brain pulls in something else to replace it. And we see this all the time within addictive behaviors. You want to see a whole bunch of smokers? Go to an Alcoholics Anonymous class. It's true. True. And so if you want to get rid of a certain way of your thinking, then you can't just get away from it. You have to replace it because it'll replace itself. And so you and I must determine within our lives and our hearts and our minds that when we resist what the world tells us, when we resist the enemy of our minds, when we resist our sinful nature, we replace it with God's word. We replace it with prayer. We replace it with an intentional focus on the things of God. Number five, we must remember our why. Remember your why. You know, when we're doing this, sometimes we can fail because it wasn't that important to us. But when we constantly remember our purpose and we remember what drives us, then you and I can do it in a better way. We can remember to put our minds on eternity when we think about heaven. We can remember to put our minds on overcoming an enemy because we know that our children depend on our success. We can, we can determine that, that, that we bring an atmosphere wherever we go to our workplace and to our homes and with our friends. And so when we're, we're focused on remembering our why, it reminds us how important what we think about and what we do is. And finally, I would encourage each and every one of us to go on a world cleanse. That doesn't mean that going around and cleansing the world, <laughs> that means going in our in our hearts and our minds and cleansing our hearts and minds from the things of this world. If you listen to ungodly music, if you watch ungodly TV, if, if you are, if the very first thing that you do is you wake up in the morning and grab a cup of coffee and turn on the news, you're already defeated sometimes. <laughs> Not by the coffee, by the news. Did you know that if you just turn the news off, the world will keep spinning? Did, did, did you know that if you stop listening to, to all of it, not just the one that you agree with, that problems will still occur, whether you knew about the problem or not? And did you know that it doesn't make you better, it makes you worse? 
Now, I'm not telling us that we should not know about what's going on in the world. What I am telling you about is that you better know what's going on in God's word and you better know and have a control of what's going in in and through your mind and through your spirit better and more often than you know what's going on in Iraq or Israel or anywhere else. I didn't think I was going to get a clap there, but I'll take it. I want you to know, though, that, that each of us this morning has an opportunity to be thankful in our minds. A mind that is able to know God's will will experience his presence. A mind that is able to experience his victory. What would happen if, if you walked out this morning and your mind was changed completely, renewed, because it was thankful. What would happen if, if your thoughts were some, something that would bring you closer to God rather than something that you had to fight in order to come to the Lord? See, God desires us to know his perfect will, to know his, his peaceful presence and to know his victory. So I guess the question today is, is it your desire? Is it your desire to know God's will for your life? Is it your desire to know his, his peaceful presence? Is it your desire to live a victorious life this morning? Would you stand all over this place with me? Perhaps you're here this morning and, and you don't have a relationship with the Lord. You don't know what this peace thing is about. And so you deal with anxiety, you deal with depression, you deal with confusion, you deal with just anger at the world. Because it's hard to control what's going on in your heart and your mind. And you wish that you did, but it's like it goes on a, a negative echo repeat in your mind, just a cycle and you don't know how to break the cycle, friend, I can tell you exactly how, and there's only one way, and there's only one name under heaven and earth that you can be saved from the cycle that you keep repeating, and his name is Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, right now that you draw our hearts close to you, Lord, that somehow, Lord, you would give us an opportunity to accept you as our Lord and Savior. Lord, that that, that person in this room that is struggling right now or that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, draw their minds to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, I want to ask you a question this morning. If you're here and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or it's been so long and you've, you've neglected that relationship for so long, you just want it, you want it back. If that's you, would you just simply raise your hand? I'm going to be looking all around. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. Thank you, sir. I see you. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. I see you. Looking all around right now. All around right now. Hold for one more moment. This is the most important part of today's service. Thank you, ma'am. I see you. Thank you. Wow. Wow, we've had three hands lifted this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, for each one of these hands that have been lifted. I pray, God, that as they 
have this desire to know you, Lord, that you would fill in, Lord, that you would rush in, Lord, to their heart and press out each and every sin as if you would wipe it away and they could walk out of here feeling pure and redeemed and clean, cleaner than they've ever felt. Lord, of every sin, every shame, knowing, Lord, that you have made an eternal difference in their lives. Hallelujah. Perhaps you're here this morning and you feel like you're saved, but you just, you need the Lord to help you with a reset of your mind, a reset of the way that you think. And you need him now more than you ever need him. Stuff is going on and it's so hard to focus on what is, what is right, what is good, what's pure. It's so hard to focus your mind and your thoughts that you just need God to help you get control of what's going on in your mind. If that's you, I just simply want you to raise your hand right now. Wow, hands, wow, hands are going up everywhere. Right now, if the prayer partners would make themselves available, right here, right now. Come on, go ahead and step down, prayer partners. I want to give us an opportunity to go to the Lord in prayer. If you raise your hand and you'd like somebody to partner with you in prayer, if you raise your hand for salvation today, I want you to come down and visit one of our prayer partners as we go into an intentional moment of worship, an intentional moment where we can praise God, not only for what he's done, but what he's going to do this morning and this week and then this year. Come on, somebody say amen to that. So if you need prayer in any way in your body and your life and your mind, if you need one of these prayer partners to agree with you in, in, in having God touch your mind and give you a mental reset, I want you to come now and partner with one of these prayer partners. Let's go and let's worship the Lord this morning. What would happen in this church if we changed the way that we thought, this church would know God's will. This church would, would know his presence. And this church would have victory in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. God has it for you. He has it for your family. He has it for your children. He has it for this church. And I believe that God is giving us a harvest. But it's not by accident. It's not by chance. It's by choice. And it's our choice whether we're going to engage in what God has given us. We're making that choice in Jesus' name because we're a place where people can find Jesus, where people can get hope, and where we do life together. Heavenly Father, I pray blessing and your presence and your peace over this congregation, over those watching online. Lord, I pray, God, that you would call us, Lord, to change our minds. We love you and we praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Amen.